This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, Mackenzie Johnston. Welcome to the Comstock Report podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of chatting with Eric Snodgrass. Eric is a Nutrien's Principal Atmospheric Scientist, also known as the Weather Wizard. First and foremost, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us today. To start things off, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so I chose meteorology right out of the box as a student and undergrad and stayed with it all the way through graduate school at the University of Illinois. And then after that, I became a um, the director of the undergraduate program in atmospheric sciences at University of Illinois, where I taught for 13 and a half years. Um, I started two companies, one called Global Weather and Climate Logistics, where I was providing long-range weather analysis and guidance to uh, just a few clients, mostly in the reinsurance world. And then I merged that company with the second one that I founded called Agribull, where we produced basically predictive analytics in agriculture. And then Nutrien bought both of my companies, and then I went to work for them full-time in 2019. And ever since then, I've been providing weather analysis and weather insights and weather forecasting for Nutrien and all of its uh, employees and, and customer growers. Why meteorology? What was it about um, the profession that drew you towards it? Does it run in the family? Not at all. I'm the first one. I think what happened for me personally was that I enjoyed mathematics and physics as a student. Even though I wasn't very good at them, I enjoyed the the process of trying to solve problems using those skill sets. And uh, meteorology offered just this great, you know, this great opportunity to do applied mathematics and physics on a daily basis. I also now know that I love to write software and code, and there's a lot of data analysis and software development in in atmospheric sciences. So basically, I I found that meteorology would present you with a new problem every day that needed to be solved, Um, something with the atmosphere and the way it was going to impact humans and what we do and decisions we make. And I think that's what got me hooked, and that's what kept me hooked throughout my entire career. So let's dive into the weather. Much of the United States is currently uh, working its way through one of the harshest winters we've seen in years. According to your outlook, can we expect winter to hang around a bit longer or is there some relief on the horizon with some warmer temperatures? Yeah, where are you right now? So I'm in central Nebraska. Um, my okay. my parents' place, <laughs> yeah, my parents' place is a couple hours north of North Platte. Um, we have been covered in snow since the middle of December. In the past month and a half, we've gotten 40 inches of snow, and it's easily the worst yeah. winter we've had since we've been here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, here in my neck of the woods, we're all hoping for some kind of warm weather soon. <laughs> Uh, yeah. so, so what do you got for me? Well, so that's a great perspective because it, where I am in Illinois, if you ask people about how hard this winter has been, they'll be like, what winter? Oh, We've wow. had almost no snow. It's been very mild. In fact, I have yet to even push snow out of my driveway. We had <laughs> one event that gave us a dusting and that was it. So as much as snow as you've seen, we've seen the opposite. Wow. And so much of the eastern half of the country has been very mild since the start of the new year. 
Whereas there's been this stride that's gone from Colorado and Kansas through Nebraska into Iowa that's just seen, you know, repeated shots of cold air and big time mm-hmm. snows. And by the way, I'll just tell you this, come May and June, we're going to be really happy in the agricultural world that all that snow came down into Nebraska because there's moisture in that mm-hmm. that's going to get into the soil and help us fight, you know, what could be, a, a, you know, what, what could always be a drought year, right? Mm-hmm. We never know how exactly summer's going to shape up. So you ask, um, you know, what's spring going to look like? You're not done with winter yet, unfortunately. We have another uh, very active pattern finishing February and starting March, and there's actually some pretty cold air that's coming in very soon. So, yeah, you're, we have a winter severity index we keep track of, and there are some places in Nebraska that are at the top end of that index right now, whereas you come over to Illinois, and it's at the bottom end of that index. So, um, yeah, we're not done, and and. The end of February and the beginning of March is going to continue to be active. It will um, likely be until we get into the month of April that we start to see significant push towards spring-like weather. So I guess what I would say is just hang on tight uh, where you are. But good news is, is that we're losing one of the major drought-influencing patterns in the United States, which is out of the Pacific, La Nina is backing off, which is going to start to push us toward a, a better scenario going into 2023's growing season with with moisture and possibly a reduction in drought area and um and also um what could be a much better start to the 2023 growing season so we have to endure this now and you're right it's been quite rough where you are but it may pay off in the long run just getting that moisture back into place even though it's coming in the form of snow you mentioned there in illinois that you guys have basically had a very easy winter what is the drought conditions like back in illinois well we are showing no drought on the drought monitor i mean it looks great except when you go down about 40 inches in our soil things are really dry And that dryness down there is partly because of the drought we endured in fall, which uh, that was the drought that dropped the Mississippi water levels. You know, that was the drought that even though we had good harvest weather, we paid for it by depleting a lot of our soil moisture, which means in Illinois, even though we're not on the drought monitor anymore, we have to look at it and say, gosh, if we don't get the spring rain that we need, we will be pretty tight on soil moisture in the profile going into the growing season. And to be honest, that's the case in Nebraska. The difference is in Nebraska, you've got maybe two to three inches of liquid in the snow right now sitting on top of the soils. So yeah, we're not on the drought monitor, but there's soil moisture deficits that have to be monitored between now and mid-April. In your update this morning, you reported that 57% of the land here in the U.S. is dealing with some level of drought, and that is down significantly from 86%, which we were at at the beginning of winter. Can we continue to see uh, this drought essentially um, slip away, get better, the conditions getting better? You mentioned that La Nina is fading. Is Is that going to be the continued trend into spring and summer? Yes, it is at this point. Now, how far into summer is still a question mark, but through the rest of spring, you know, if if I had to put a number on it, I think we'll be below 50% by the time we get into the beginning of April. And then I have a saying, and that saying is spring rains can undo all of winter's sins. So what's even left of that drought? Should we get into an active spring pattern, which is possible, we could uh, really see you know decent spring thunderstorms continue to erode away the drought area that uh, 
that we're watching so carefully. Mm -hmm. So overall, uh, I do think that's going to continue. And yes, La Nina coming off the table means that the jet stream that lives over us can start to gain more momentum. And the more momentum it has, the better the chances are of these spring storm systems coming across. So a lot of that is, is a pretty positive outlook at this point. And I'm pretty comfortable saying that. I feel like there's plenty of evidence to support that. Uh, and therefore, I'm not too worried that that's not going to happen. There is a stretch down through the middle of the United States that is in some pretty severe drought conditions. What kind of weather patterns do we have to see occur for that drought to lessen? And what are the chances of that actually happening? Well, that's, I want to address the second part of your question first, because okay. if we want to see that drought area shrink, I don't want it to happen fast. Because if it happens fast, we get a repeat of like 2019. There's major spring flooding. There's major problems with runoff. There's soil erosion. We want to see it erode slowly with persistent precipitation. And you say, what does it take to get that? To get that, we need to set up a component of the jet stream we call the subtropical jet stream. So if you've been following my content, I keep talking about a subtropical ridge. That's sitting over Florida. That's what's keeping the southeast warm. That's what's pumping the moisture into the Midwest. I'm talking about a subtropical jet. So it's the same latitude, but it's coming out of the Pacific from like Hawaii to the Baja of California and then across Mexico. You see, if the jet stream comes from there, it then curls into the southern plains, drawing gulf moisture right over the top of those dry states, and we get better moisture. It's a great thing. We just haven't seen that in three years mm -hmm. because we've had La Nina, and La Nina doesn't often give that to us. So the issues have been that in the central and western Corn Belt, excuse me, the central plains and western Corn Belt, we have had almost three years of struggling against drought because the jet streams not wanted to do that. Right. And it doesn't do that typically when there's a lot in you. So, yep, you've got to reorient the position of the jet stream. We've seen some significant moisture out in California, both snow and rain. How much has this moisture actually alleviated the drought conditions out there? And how much has the moisture replenished their reservoirs? I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I say they dodged a bullet, like they dodged a bullet. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is last fall, those reservoirs, the big ones, we're down to 30% of normal water, which means that they not received the moisture they got in January. And what we expect them to get at the end of February and the start of March, they would have gone in, especially California, would have gone into 2023 with unprecedented water restrictions. But moisture is there. Some of their big reservoirs have come up over 150 feet in depth. And right now, many of them are sitting at levels that they haven't seen since 2017. That's the same for the upper Colorado River Basin. Right now, it's got 125% of normal snowpack on it, which means that river is going to have moisture in it. Last time it saw this, again, 2017. Before that, like 1983 was the last time we had this much moisture out there. So there's a lot of folks in the West that are very happy, but this is what you need to remember. Even if we brought in a whole bunch more moisture between now and April, it still is only enough to support, especially California, for a year. That's how high their demand is on water because of, well, 40 million people and huge agricultural productivity. So it only buys them a year. It's not like they just got 10 years worth of water. It's one year that they just were supplied with. So we'll continue to have this water issue discussion in the West for quite some time.
Can you touch on what the weather is doing down in South America and how it is impacting the crops down there and also the soybean harvest that is underway? Yeah, so let's start in Argentina, which had drought conditions from September to almost mid-January. The early planted crops plus the winter wheat that is harvested down there was really severely hit by that drought. It was very hot, very dry. It then rained like mad at times in in late January and even times in early February. And as a result, some of that moisture has come back and helped revive some of the crops. But it's kind of like the scenario we get in the U.S. where sometimes the summer rains help out some folks but not others. Mm -hmm. So we don't expect some sort of massive crop improvement in Argentina, but it's no longer losing at the rate that it was losing. Now, you go north of there into southern Brazil, there's really only one state that's struggling with drought, and that's Rio Grande do Sul. That's an important state, but central Brazil, northern Brazil, a tremendous amount of moisture, a huge crop, and it like it will be the largest they've ever seen in terms of soybeans. And even though there's been some slowness in the harvest of this because of how green that crop stayed for so long, Most Brazilians I've talked to about it say, well, it's not necessarily a problem yet because they're still within their normal pace of planting the safrina crop, which will also be very large. So at this point, Brazil, for the most part, is going to have a phenomenal crop year. Argentina struggled with drought. There's been talk of a frost in Argentina. Is there any um, anything backing up these thoughts, claims, projections? Yeah, there, there is. But I want to be very clear here where the frost is going to be. It's very far south, and it's also near the Andes Mountains. So this is not where we're growing crops. Okay. So I've looked at this for the last two days, and I've walked, looked very carefully. They're, they're going to have a couple of nights tonight, for example, and tomorrow, where the low temperatures are going to be in the mid-40s. And that's cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's the equivalent of August down there, right? Uh, but a frost destroying the crop, there, uh, there's no evidence of it in the models right now. Will it be chilly? Sure, but not destroying a crop frost event. None of that's right now in the forecast. So I was a bit surprised when I heard about that as well. So one last thing. I know we're in the middle of February and we are a ways out from farmers getting into the fields, um, getting busy with planting. What does the planting season look like for your outlook, weather-wise, moisture-wise? What are your thoughts on that? Sure. I think that This year is going to see a pretty active severe weather season from the southern and central plains all the way through the south, mid-south, southeast, and also the Midwest. And the reason for that is we've already seen in late winter here a very active jet that's capable of producing those types of, of, of setups. Plus, the snowpack in the west could help reinforce deeper troughs over the west. That's where the jet stream dips south. If that occurs, that could really set us up for just an active uh, spring severe weather season. Now, on the temperature side of it, I don't have any indication that we're going to have a cold April or a cold May. But it's, again, late February. I'm just saying I don't see it right now. The moisture side of it, I would tell you that while there will be spring thunderstorms throughout the plains on some of that drought-stricken area, where it'll be truly wet will likely be east of about the 95th meridian. So... That's most of Iowa, Missouri, part of Nebraska, but then getting into the eastern Corn Belt. In fact, we're worried across the eastern Corn Belt right now that we're going to have very, very tight spring windows for both application and for planting, which means there'll be probably a few open windows that'll come through where most of the crop will get planted 
because at this point, it seems as though those windows are going to be tight due to too much precipitation. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.